welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. Welcome to episode seven. Today, we're going to talk about doing it afraid. All right. So this is one of my favorite mantras, this idea Mm. of doing it afraid. So often we wait and we avoid doing things in life that matter to us. So these Mm. are things that maybe sound fun and exciting, things that might enhance our lives. We want the stars to align in a certain way. We want to feel something differently. Namely, we want to feel confident or assured or certain of the outcome or not uncomfortable at all before taking action. Hmm. So doing it afraid is based on the idea that we can take action now. We can really dive in, even if we are anxious or fearful why we're doing it. So really, this is kind of the idea of taking risks. Right. Um, and a quick caveat before we jump in, I really want to distinguish between fear that we heed and fear that we push back against. Right. So this is about doing things afraid that align with our values and with our core knowing. This is really not a suggested mantra for recklessness, for abandoning ourselves, for following the crowd, or ignoring our intuition. So if we think a little bit about Mm. this idea between fear that we might heed and fear that we want to push back against, what comes to mind for y'all, Jamie and Avery? Sometimes I like to think about them as like, two different, like I like to try to assign two different names to them. So like the idea of maybe like worry versus concern. So worry is unhelpful to me. I mean, and it's not necessarily important what words you assign, but worry would be the unhelpful nagging, oh, you probably shouldn't do that just without a reason. Whereas concern might be, well, you know, we've got time or money constraints that we might need to kind of consider. So I kind of think about two different types of that same kind of feeling, that hesitation, one being helpful, one being not so helpful. What about you, Jamie? What are your thoughts? I think for me, fear that I heed mm. would be things maybe that are harmful, like mm. truly harmful, things that are dangerous, mm-hmm. things that are reckless, things that would cause consequences severe to myself or mm. to people that I care about versus fear that maybe I kind of push back against would be sort of more story based Mm. for me, not necessarily based in the present moment, kind of the potential reality of the situation. So that's kind of the differentiation for me. Can you all think of any examples of fear that aligns with your knowing versus something that you would want to, to challenge? I think one of the things for me way back when several years ago, I had this kind of thought, hmm, I think I might want to start running <laughs> just out of the blue. I'd never run really in my life. I mean, uh-huh. even as a child, I was like, oh, running, you know. Um, and so, yeah, a few years ago, I kind of got it in my head like, oh, you know, maybe I should start doing a 5K and I'm going to drag my sister along with me and we're <laughs> going to do this thing together. And but in my mind, it was kind of like, oh, you can't. You've never even mm. run a few hundred yards. You know, you can't even run a mile. Why in the world would you sign up for a 5K? You don't have the body type for it. You're not a runner. I mean, just all of these messages in, in my head, but decided, nope, I'm going to sign up for a race. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm going to sign up for a fun one. You know, we're going to do this foam glow 5K. Ooh, and they shoot that. foam out and it's at <laughs> night because I don't like the heat. And fun. we live in Texas and it's horrible. So I'd rather run in the nighttime. 
And so we started training for it and we did, and it was a lot of fun. And then several half marathons later had a good time. Yeah. That's a great example. I love that. So if we think a little bit too about some of the concepts that also come to mind is this idea of anxiety, Mm -hmm. avoidance, exposure, habituation. One of you walk our listeners through how all of that comes to bear on this. So anxiety, you know, who wants to experience that really? I mean, (laughs) not not, not most of us. And so I think, you know, there is a really great relationship between kind of the optimal amount of anxiety Mm -hmm. and our ability to perform. We need a certain amount of anxiety to get us motivated, to get us to do things maybe that we wouldn't you know, typically do. Like if we had no anxiety, we might not show up for work. Right. Yeah. Anxiety by any other name is like conscientiousness, right? right? Uh Like the ability to look ahead, think about a negative outcome and do something now to avoid it. Like that's called staying alive and following responsibilities, right? Absolutely. It's a motivator. It's a motivator. It is is a motivator. Necessary. Necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it also, I think, indicates things that you care about. Right. Oh, sure. Right. So, you know, we need a certain level of anxiety in order to perform optimally. But then it's, if you kind of think of it like this upside down U shape, when you get to the top, like that's, you know, your height of anxiety and is that a parabola. Is that the like formal math know, name? I, hell, Do you remember? Whatever that is. But yeah, she, curve. So you yes. want to have this optimal level of anxiety, you know, and then but then as you sort of reach the top and go over the hump, this is when your anxiety can become interfering and can right. really sort of affect your performance. So we want to stay somewhere in that optimal range. Got it. Yeah. That it's motivating enough to do to help us to do our lives, yes. but it's not paralyzing that kind of, yeah. Yeah. Cause that's not, that's not the goal for any of us is to have an anxiety free life. We all have fear and anxiety. It helps keep us alive, but it's where it gets so loud that it more like shuts us down versus like motivating us. When I think the natural pull, when we feel afraid or anxious, we want to avoid yes. and pull back. And the more we avo- avoid and pull back, the more anxious we get. Yes. So this idea that if we we have to expose ourselves to the things that make right. us anxious or afraid, and then we habituate, right? Mm-hmm. And that anxiety or fear will come down over time mm-hmm. as we continue to kind of press into these domains. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. If I if I am successful in avoiding everything that makes me anxious, I never get the opportunity to see that there's not a real threat of being up high or there's not a real threat of running in a race. Like that that's that not a real way that you can right. do it. I don't right. get that opportunity to see that I can do it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so um <laughs> avoidance is so reinforcing too, yeah. right? I mean, if you're if you're really anxious and then you avoid whatever it is that you're anxious about, it's you've experienced usually like this immediate relief. relief right? uh-huh. like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so when you do that repeatedly, you don't get any new information mm-hmm. in that you can handle the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, mm-hmm. I think that anxiety avoidance piece, it's a real unique relationship there. I think about that, especially with like parents allowing their kids to avoid things versus pushing them to experience it. And it's, it's a thin line to walk, right? Because on one hand, we want to encourage our kids to listen to their own knowing and to be aware of of what really fits for them. But we also don't want to inadvertently send them the message that, oh, yes, that thing you're avoiding, that really is threatening, should be avoided. Uh, it's, exactly. it's tough. It's exactly. tough. Exactly. 
Yeah. And so back to that line, are we avoiding it because we know it's really not the thing for us, not something I'm interested, maybe something dangerous, something that just doesn't fit? Or am I avoiding it because I'm afraid or anxious and it'd Mm -hmm. be helpful to push into it? And I do think kids sometimes have a hard time and kids, adults, not just kids, all of us sometimes may have a hard time distinguishing. Right. Right. So if the opposite of doing it afraid is playing it safe, Mm -hmm. right? How do you play it safe in your lives? Mm-hmm. Let me count the ways. <laughs> <laughs> is this familiar to y'all at all? For yeah, chance, it uh-huh. yeah, I feel like, like it, it, it lands for me. I mean, so many, so many ways. I think that's something. This whole podcast experience, I think, is one way that we kind of each of us are kind of getting out of our shells a little bit and trying to really do things that are new and different. But I am a, a creature of habit. I like to kind of do things that are known entities, even things like going to the same restaurants or going on the same trips to the same area. I mean, that that's kind of habitual flow, patterns. Habitual pattern. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Playing it safe feels very comforting. And I think for me... I'm trying to think sort of where I play it safe. I think I'm a little bit more of a risk taker probably than (laughs) than the two of two of you. Well, I mean, this morning I was, I was swimming and I'm not a good swimmer like whatsoever. And my husband has been trying to convince me to do some sort of crazy ass sprint triathlon where I have to swim like so many hundreds of yards or or whatever. And I don't like the water. I've had a couple of experiences out in open water that have mm. not been fun for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I've avoided it. Like, yeah. and it, when we go out and, and travel and we go to a beach or whatever, you know, you'll see me with photos of my feet, like on the I want to call it lawn chair or whatever the, the uh-huh, chair, uh-huh. you know, and then you see my husband and the children out in the ocean. Yeah. And that's, that's the picture. It's yep. because uh-huh. I'm like, uh, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to really get in there. I don't know what's down at the bottom. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can, you know, swim. And so some physical activities, honestly, is, is sort of where I have a tendency to play it safe a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, in case I forget to tell you this later, a few years ago, I did a triathlon called a spa girl triathlon. What's that? I'm like, okay, so I like you though with the swimming part, like the idea of being in open water, yeah. like no thanks. But it was at a resort down in the hill country and the, the swimming part was like a lap or two in the lazy river. Oh, oh They nice. shut it off so you didn't have the current, unfortunately, uh-huh. coming with you. But uh-huh. um, it was a lovely intro. So that's a great place to start. <laughs> and I'll come with you. Tiptoe in. Tiptoe in. There we go. Tiptoe in right there. Well, why would we even want to take risks? Hmm. Like, and what happens when we stop taking risks? So one of my favorite quotes, and I can't remember who said it, but it's, why not go out on a limb? That's where the fruit is. Mm. And I think that to me just sort of exemplifies, like, that's why we would want to take risks because there Mm -hmm. are rewards Mm -hmm. to be had when we do that. Right. As parents, we we want to model that taking a risk. I'm thinking, especially as we're coming off of the pandemic experience, and we're all kind of starting to peek back out, and it feels it can feel kind of overwhelming to to do that. But and I think that you know, as, as parents, our kids often pay attention to what we are doing and get information about what's safe and what's unsafe. And so I think that there there is real value one because you know we can play it safe, but is that really living? Is that really thriving? And trying to kind of model that reaching for that, that fruit out on the limb versus just playing it safe in a real kind of survival, but not really like thriving situation. Yeah. Yeah. What gets in the way of taking risks? Fear, fear, panic, 
worry. I mean, take your pick. What flavor would you like (laughs) of fear and worry? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think uh, old stories yeah. I mean, that are based on that fear, like, ugh, you know, I'm going to fail, I'm going to be a disappointment, I'm going to look stupid, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be, I'm not going to fit in, I'm not going to experience a sense of belonging, um, oh, just old, any, yeah. any and all of those will slow me down. For sure. Yeah. When you mm-hmm. said old story, that hit me like a ton of bricks that really resonates. I was thinking, I was trying to really think about like, I don't take a lot of risks and I was trying to really kind of rack my brain of what risks do I take? And I remember one thing I really don't like to take risks on is physical movement. I think I got that story early on that I'm not coordinated. I'm not going to be able to do it. It's going to be scary. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. And I remember I decided to do Pilates and it's hard. It's not easy for me. I have a wonderful instructor that I trust a lot, but I was driving home from Pilates once and this just negative, nasty story was just on repeat. Like, oh, you looked stupid. You're so uncoordinated. She thinks you're stupid and bad. And I remember I I actually pulled my car over and I kind of put my hand like on my like passenger seat, kind of like almost like it was on there, this thoughts knee, or like I was kind of tender with it. I was like, wow, that we really needed that to protect us. And we don't really need that Mm. anymore. We don't really need that story of you're going to look stupid. Like, thank you, but that's not that helpful. But yeah, I think that's it. That, that story of judgment, fear, something bad is going to happen, whether it's big, bad, or even small. And what a beautiful way to engage and interact with that, right? So being able to not only name and identify it, but to lovingly kind of acknowledge it and then kind of say, okay, but get your sticky hands off the wheel. That's right. You can sit here in the passenger seat, but get your, those little hands off the wheel. That's right. And and like I was saying about the pandemic experience, I think, especially as we're kind of entering back in, it's like, yep, that, that fear may have been helpful or may have been necessary or may have been more appropriate even six months ago. But now we got to, like you said, release the wheel, kind of get your sticky hands off the wheel. Let me be in the, in the driver's seat. A few other things that I've noticed that get in the way with taking risks. Sometimes there's a lot of rules and rigidity. So this belief is this is how it should be done. This is the plan. This is how I always do things. And so this maybe unwillingness to, to deviate or shake up the system Mm. and also the belief that it should be easy, right? It should feel good. Like I should do that. If I'm going to do that, it should feel good. It should be easier. It shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't be uncomfortable. Right. Right. And that idea of like the good discomfort versus that discomfort that communicates something to stop. Yeah, exactly. That it it should be easy. That's actually not the only way to know that this is the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we think about fear, so this idea of doing it afraid and you think about your lives, where do you feel fear? Where do you feel it? How do you know it's there? How does it interfere? Where is it helpful? Where does it get in the way? So all things about fear. So I think for me, fear. Is, I don't, hold is, on, I'm going to interrupt you real yes, quick. Avery Jamie me. just gave this look where she's like, I don't feel fear. Like, <laughs> what's awesome. that? Okay, what's your like, working up like, her lip, like, fear? Uh-huh. What's, this? Um, what's that of what you speak? <laughs> I was thinking about Avery's earlier example with Pilates. I mean, I think for me, a lot of times the fear and that anxiety I have, honestly, is around like my own body and mm. what it can do and what it can't do. Mm. And you know, that has stopped me from doing things in the past. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been working and really trying to work harder at 
nobody fucking cares. You know, like, I mean, quite honestly, I mean, you know, put that swimsuit on, go out into that water park and go down that slide. And nobody cares. Everyone's thinking about their own bodies. They're all Uh thinking about their own bodies. And that's something that I've I've really been trying Mm. to trying to work Mm. on. But it does. I mean, it's it's not a one and done. I mean, it's it's, it's a ongoing. constant. Yeah, I mean, it's a constant thing that I think so many of us struggle with, you know, mm-hmm. like doing physical activities, running races. I mean, I'm not in a smaller body size. I'm in a larger body size. And, you know, I can do all of these things. And it's great. It's right. actually great. Right. I find I have had more social anxiety as I've gotten older, right? Mm -hmm. So I think when I was younger, I would love just jumping into a crowd and talking with people. And I don't know what's happened in my adult life, right? But that I can get nervous, right? And so how do you show up anyway? And and instead of standing on the periphery, you know, and kind of just keeping to myself or on my phone and kind of disengaging, how do I engage, right? And show up and connect. And even if I feel afraid in the moment, but that's a place for me where fear comes up. Especially mm. unfamiliar social situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. One thing that fear comes up for me a lot is safety. Mm-hmm. Fear of myself being safe. Yes, I have that one too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or even like my daughter being safe. That's a big, big fear for me is 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 something going to happen to her. And what I'm trying to kind of play with still now is, okay, we don't know if something terrible is going to happen to her out there, but we know keeping her home all the time and in some sort of tower is not good. That's actually a known negative. <laughs> so I've kind of been trying to help myself to understand that keeping her sequestered mm. is a known negative thing that's going to happen out there. It's unknown. It could be very helpful to her. It could hurt her, but kind of playing with that and, and kind of like the idea of like the devil, you know, it's it, and kind of being aware of that. But I think safety is, is a huge, yeah. it's a huge fear for me. It's funny. I think back sometimes I studied abroad in college and I studied in Spain for a semester uh-huh. and the shit we would do, like I would be out at like 3 a.m. In, in the middle of Madrid. I'd be like stumbling home from wherever. I'd stop at a payphone, right? There were no cell phones then. Like call my parents in the States, like with a calling card out in the middle of the street. And I'm like, it is a wonder nothing horrible happened, right? Because I think as I've gotten older, there are those mm. safety concerns about, I laugh, like my mom is like, nothing good happens after dark, right? So things get dark. <laughs> I'm like, we got to hunker down. Uh-huh. Robert says, all these people out after midnight, they must be drunk. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or maybe not. Right, right, exactly. Right, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. what does it mean to you all to do it afraid? Where have you used this in your life? And what are what are some examples and what emotions come up? So tomorrow I am going on a retreat. It is a yoga retreat, which for probably a lot of people, that sounds really relaxing and nice. And it does for me too. But the idea that I'm going to have to do something with my body, with strangers in this very unknown, like it, it's going to be safe, I'm sure. It's going to be fine, I'm sure. But even that unknown is really pushing the limit of my comfort zone. And so I'm really trying to like consciously do more things versus just like, nope, I don't do things like that. And that's an example. But so I'm just kind of creeping out out of the door, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I have an example too. So I've been in this, just finished this training program, like a leadership training from the last year and embodied leadership training. And one of the things I noticed, especially at the beginning and for years, like I'm 
terrified to dance in front of other people. Like, I feel like I have the most like awkward body, right? And in terms of like moving it and dancing, and I just get so self-conscious and embarrassed, but it's something I really wanted to do, right? Mm. So towards the beginning of this training last summer, I actually made a post post to the group of people kind of acknowledging this was a fear, you know, saying that this was like kind of committing a little bit, right? So part Ooh. of like doing something afraid is how do we support ourselves while we're doing it, right? Yeah. So part of this was how do I let people know like, okay, I'm afraid, I'm going to name it, right? How do I kind of get support and not accountability, they weren't going to like be mad if I didn't do it, but this idea about, okay, it's out there, I'm going to make well, some playlists, exactly. yeah. I'm going to kind of work on it. And how do I dance by myself and in front of other people, even when it feels scary and uncomfortable? Mm. How do I do it anyway? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I think, again, we're, we're all talking about physical things, but I mean, that's, it's, I think for a lot of us, there's a, there's a, a lot of fear there. One of the things that I've been thinking about, we're planning on taking a trip towards the the end of the year to a, a beach destination. And something that I've wanted to do and wanted to try would be to snorkel or, you know, maybe at some point scuba dive. That's a really big, I don't know if um, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But I, I tried it once, like the the snorkeling piece out in the open water. And this was when we were on a trip a couple of years ago. And jumped in the water or sort of flopped over into the into the water <laughs> and had the life jacket on and was kind of like floating out away from the <laughs> away from the rest of the individuals and one of the guides actually had to come out and like drag me back, back in, in. <laughs> drag me back in cuz I couldn't do it so I'd like to not have that experience sure. but I'd like to have more of a pleasant like snorkeling kind of experience so that I can join my family because I I don't like sort of again you mm. know there are sometimes yes I like to sit on the beach and you know just have my feet in the sand and that's great mm -hmm. but there are other times when I would love to join in more but I think mm -hmm. that's that point about sometimes fear and makes us miss out. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And so like if I go to a party and everyone's dancing and I'm not because I'm self-conscious, yes. I'm on the outside kind of looking in rather than being fully present. Yes, that's yeah. right. I think one idea too that's been helpful for me is how do we bring our fear with us? Right. So like Avery yours was like in the passenger seat of your yep. car. Right. Sometimes I imagine it as like a little puppy on a leash right? <laughs> it can come and I can just like lovingly pat its little head and like, here we go. Yeah. Right. Like come right along um, because we don't have to get rid of it. Right? right. I think sometimes we believe we have to get rid of the fear mm. or the discomfort before doing some something, but it tends not to work that way. And so right. how do we bring it with us? Right. So when you think about in your lives, as you're doing things that you're afraid of, how do you support yourselves? How does that look? I surround myself with people that are supportive. Uh, I think wonderful. that's a big, a, a big piece for me. People that are encouraging, non-shaming. I think that that does a lot to help boost my confidence. Mm. I think you're right. Finding the right person. My, my Pilates instructor is one of those people that she is going to hold me to it. She's firm, but she'll also say things like, I've got you. I know that you're afraid. I know you're afraid you're going to fall down, but I'm strong. I'll catch you. And mm -hmm. it's just that kind of reassurance of like, I know that you're afraid. And that kind of like validation that we were just talking about in the previous podcast of like acknowledging this feels scary and we can, we can do it. We can try. As you it. said that, Avery, I was thinking what a gift for us to have people in our lives <sighs> who are like, I see you. I know you're afraid. I can catch you. I'm strong. Uh, like what a relief and a gift. It is. It is right, right, and it's, so I think surrounding ourselves with those people, or even trying to offer that ourselves, right? Of just that validation. This is hard. This is scary. This feels new. This feels different. That idea of being a beginner 
not being an expert and kind of acknowledging the discomfort there. And and I love this idea of not trying to get rid of it in order to, right? That we can have both and. I can be uncomfortable and fearful and know this isn't actually life-threatening and and I'm going to try it. And how do we have compassion for ourselves right. amidst that? Sometimes we can get, get real self-aggressive. Yes. Right. And so how yes. do we be really kind and gentle to ourselves? Right. Okay. So as we wrap this up, like the do try this at home, right? So this is our, our the way we end this podcast, right? So instead of that disclaimer, don't try this at home. This is stuff we want you to do try at home. All right. What does everyone have to say for this? Figure out the cues that it's the fear that you should listen to versus the fear that you shouldn't. So kind of sitting with that and acknowledging this is the kind of fear that makes me make that doctor's appointment because I'm a little worried about the symptom versus this is the fear that keeps me in the status quo. So kind of trying to figure out what are the cues for you that let you know that it's the helpful versus unhelpful fear. I would say make verbal commitments say it out loud Mm. love that like you were saying lucy you kind of put yourself out there and shared what your fear was and what you wanted to do and i would say do that it makes it more likely that you're going to follow through yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and also too it invites other people to support you along the way right which is so helpful opens it up love that and I love this idea of experimenting, right? Yeah. So how do we just play with all of this? And almost like I think of instead of like an angel and a devil on each shoulder, like how do we have kind of courage on one shoulder and willingness on the other oh, to yeah. be willing to kind of step into this and do something hard? Mm. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for today. Thank you all so much for joining us. And we will look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Inspiration from the Couch.